Welcome, one and all, to another Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Matt Sells and Ryan Hallam. Me and Hallam back from the Fantasy Football Expo in Canton, Ohio. It was just such a great time. Got to hang out and eat spicy chicken sandwiches with Hallam, and that was really cool. I think, Hallam, you and I both had two sandwiches here. We're going to talk all about some of what we heard while at the conference. But, guys, what's going on? Hallam, good to finally see you, man, in person. Yeah, and I think my blood alcohol level is still over the uh, lawful .08, as uh, we had quite the good time in Canton. So, things, uh, it's been good getting back home and getting back in the swing of things. Sells, you, you, you have any FOMO from not being there? Um, I mean, it was cool seeing all the, the FA folks hang out together. Um, and Britt Flynn's hospitality is pretty well off the charts. Drove 14 hours and then made an actual Southern breakfast from scratch uh, for the Lightning Round crew. So that was – I saw that. Um, and then she won a $2,000 entry into the main event too. So that was – pretty nifty but i mean i did a little bit because i like hanging out with you know co-workers i got a little bit of taste of it in vegas uh earlier this year with the conference so who knows maybe we can um see what the schedule looks like for next year and maybe i make the uh, drive from lincoln to canton because it's not it's not that bad of a drive i mean i literally drive past canton on the way back to uh my parents in the dc area twice a year anyway so yeah, Canton, I mean, I drove from the D.C. area. It took about five hours, 15 minutes, and most of the time you're driving through, not most of the time, most of the final stretch you're driving through cornfields and you're wondering what is buried under those cornfields from hundreds of years of civilization. But Sells was thinking that we'd go one direction for, not the band, but we'd go one direction for this podcast. But then you brought up something very interesting, and this is something that, I heard a lot about Wall and Ken. You hear a lot about it at this time and phrases and popular, cool, hip phrases in fantasy, things like ceiling, things like sleeper, things like upside, all thrown around to make someone's piece of content hit the naked eye a little bit more, aka clickbait. But are we necessarily leading our audience down the right path with how we use the terminology. So, Sells, let's let you kind of give your opening thoughts here on why you brought this to the table for this week. Yeah, so uh, Twitter is all a buzz, to use a buzzword, um, with floor and ceiling, and this running back sucks because he's only got a floor of this, but his ceiling is close to it, and I'd rather have this running back because his ceiling's higher. Okay, the first rounds of draft should be getting – a foundation down you should you should draft with floors in mind early in the draft and then you can go for ceiling you know how i know this how do they build a how do they build a house they don't build the ceiling first they build the damn floor first (laughs) and then you build on top of it and the taller you get the higher the ceiling right right so the further into a draft you get the higher the ceiling guy you want because at that point You're not wasting draft capital if it doesn't work out. But, like, I saw, it was yesterday, where everybody was all in favor of drafting Saquon Barkley and and Christian McCaffrey and crapping all over Zeke. But without any real reasoning other than, well, Zeke was injured. Okay, but Barkley and Christian McCaffrey have been injured for two straight years. Thank you. And Zeke put up 1,000 yards on a torn PCL. 
And by the way, if we're talking about targets, Tony Pollard's been working out of the slot. So he's not really a threat to out-carry Zeke. That's just that's just for starters. So if we're talking about floor and ceiling, there's the beginning of that debate. The other part of that debate is, well, I'd rather have like Saquon or Christian McCaffrey over Jonathan Taylor. Okay. But if Saquon or Christian McCaffrey get hurt or don't do what we expect them what you expect them to do, you've wasted a first round pick when you could have had a guy that's gonna put up like I don't know, 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns. Would you rather lock that in, or would you rather lock in a guy who could potentially have 1,800 yards and, let's say, 15 touchdowns, or could break his ankle in two weeks? I'd ra- I mean, I'd rather have Taylor first. I made that decision a long time ago, Sells. But I'll say this. I agree with what you're saying regarding consistency in your thinking, where if you're going to go after – a McCaffrey and Barkley, then why not go with what who I think is one of the best values on fantasy football draft boards right now? I feel like a gross Cowboys fan saying this because I'll give you a two. Zeke and Jalen Tolbert are two of the best values in fantasy right now, bar none. Zeke in the fourth round, I'll take it every time. Tolbert going in the 11th round with what they're dealing with, with the health issues in Dallas, Take that every time. Absolutely. I mean, the problem with Twitter is, I mean, as we say so much on this show, it is just a hellhole cesspool of places to go. And people have to understand that people aren't on there to help you, no matter how many times they're on there telling you they're there to help you. They're there for clicks and likes and follows and to say whatever they want to say to get attention. Uh, I saw someone who is, I'm going to keep his name out of this, tweeted, 35 times yesterday. That is in a 24-hour stretch. Figure he slept eight hours. So that's two times an hour every hour that this person was conscious. I don't care if my mother had 35 things to say in an 18-hour period. I would have turned that – well, that's a bad example. I tuned my mother out probably a long time ago. But anyway, (laughs) my favorite person in the world – and I love my mother, but she's, she's a little much. But anyway, it just people are on there because they think we need their opinion every and they, it's not it's not about good, it's about how much can we do. So, I would love to just I would love to have Twitter to have a feature that every time someone tweeted opinion on it that we put up their draft boards underneath it immediately to see if they actually are saying something that they think is going to get interaction or if it's something that they actually believe. Or if it's something that they have any facts to back up. Or if it's just something they think is going to get clicks. That's what it's become. Uh, Everyone is trying to make a name for themselves. Everyone is trying to make five more dollars for for their cameos or or their draft. It's just become become the kiosks at the mall. Basically, you know, when you walk down the mall, it's like, oh, let me give you – or you go walk down the street in New York City and everyone's trying to hand you a CD or something. That's what Twitter has become for fantasy football. And now it's like the worst possible time because there hasn't been any games in so long that they're so bored with themselves that they're just throwing up anything that they possibly can to try to be relevant. Oh, it's just – it's like – especially after Watson yesterday. Like I just, I was off Twitter. I couldn't stand it by like nine 30 in the morning. I can't deal with it. So people I hope out there, and I know it's not because a lot of like 
new people or, or people who really follow these people as her advice get sucked into these vortexes of what they think these people's opinions are. And it's not these people's opinions. It's what they think is going to get them more comments, likes, retweets, followers. Right. Like Fantasy Pros, for example, the top 150 in their rankings, they've written about 104 guys in the top 150 that they think can bust. <laughs> I mean, okay. all, one, all 150 can. Let's <laughs> but my point is, if if you think – more than two-thirds of your top 150 are busts. Why are they in your top 150? I have no idea. Like, you're just putting out content to put out content and get reach. You don't even care at that point, right? And most of these guys, you have to understand that a lot of these draft advice givers on Twitter are just trying to clear draft boards so they can get the guys they're telling you not to draft. Right. They want the guys... They want the guys they're telling you not to draft. They just don't want to have to reach for it or com- or or compete for them. They figure if they tweet it out and enough people see it that the that the ADP will start to drop or the AAV will start to drop, and they'll be able to get them for value because they really do want them. They can't <laughs> give you any – like I saw a guy telling people to draft Sky Moore over Juju Smith-Schuster. Why? Why? Like, there's only one reason you can point to at this point, and it's not even a good enough reason. It's a little dinky thing. Health. He's probably the healthiest of them all at this current moment. Well, okay, but Juju's been that's out there. It doesn't hold water, but that's the only reason. I mean, Juju's been out there working out. Right. I've seen the exact same number of clips of him catching balls from Patty Mahomes at training camp as I've seen from, you know, of Sky Moore. Sky Moore has jumped, as a lot of rookies have, I've noticed, because I did a little research on this. Sky Moore has jumped in the last three weeks 14 spots on high-stakes boards. And Pacheco leads everybody at raising 150. Well, because Andy Reid came out and said he loves uh, Pacheco and that CEH has a nice personality or whatever the hell it was. It's because all of a sudden— That also was not real, by the way. I know. Well, we (laughs) also—we went from— a few weeks ago thinking Ronald Jones can be handling the first two downs instead of CEH potentially to now it could be Pacheco. Where does CEH fit in? Because he doesn't. Pacheco, can people stop dude, drafting just, him? Bro, people are drafting him, starting to draft him in the single digits in rounds in 12-team leagues. I'm telling you, man, Ooh, he's, up, he's up more than any other player. doesn't mean that he's going to be a stud, but – no, I'm, just I'm saying, fine with taking the shot on Pacheco. I'm saying don't draft. Like, why are we still drafting CEH? If they were so sold on him, they wouldn't find every, like, bus-riding running back available on the waiver wire to try to bring in to compete with him. Here's, here's how I see it. And, Ryan, let me know how you, how you feel about this. When I compare these two running backs, if I want to secure depth, CEH versus Miles Sanders, for instance. Both of them, at least to me, very unappealing. But the difference is here, when it comes to what I know in terms of skill set, I believe in Miles Sanders a little bit more. And then he's a tougher back, better ball handler, bigger back, at least from what I've seen. So with that, I know that I can at least put a little bit more trust into Sanders than CEH if I want to go that route. They're being drafted kind of close together. I mean, what do you use, where do you stand? Yeah, again, like you said, neither one of them is like an ideal option, but where they're going, it's not like they're, you know, someone who's really important in your lineup anyway. But yeah, I'm with you. Uh, 
if I'm going to pick one, it's going to be Sanders. I've seen it before. Like, Kyler really hasn't done anything at, yet at all. Like, he hasn't – his rookie season wasn't great. His last season wasn't great. Like, he hasn't even really had a great season. Uh, he was drafted the first round on a really good team, so everyone just anointed you know, him that he was going to be really good, and he's done nothing but bust. So, uh, if I'm going with one, I'm going with Sanders. He's seen it a little bit before. He's great in the passing game. Uh, I mean, he's – not on a better offense, but, uh, you know, it's going to be on an offense that's going to run the ball more. So if I'm picking one, I'm picking Sanders. Yes. What about you, Sells? Yeah, I'll, I'll go the same way. I mean, I think I trust Sanders' position and skill set uh, more than CEH at this point because – I will have zero shares of CEH, Sells. So yeah. I, I leaves. There are a couple of guys from the Chiefs offense that I want, right? I want Patty Mahomes in some leagues. I want Juju Smith-Schuster. I will continue to say he's going to be the top wide receiver in that offense. I don't care what anybody else says. And Travis Kelsey. Okay. And maybe their kicker. But, like, that's it. Am I going to take a shot on Sky Moore? Probably not. I don't really like, like, top flight rookie wide receivers do well when they're given targets. But Kansas City's offense operates on two guys getting targets. Is Travis Kelsey and whoever the number one wideout is, which is going to be Juju Smith-Schuster, maybe, maybe there's an outside shot of MVS being that, but I don't think so. So he's no, got to be able. To, he's got to be able to catch the ball. Yeah, right. So I want Juju. I want Travis Kelsey. I want Patty Mahomes, and maybe I take a shot on Pacheco, maybe right. later. But I'm not touching Ceh. I'm. I'm just. I've never had a share of him, and I've never wanted to have a share of him because I just don't trust Andy Reid's rush offense. Right. Guys, something else that we have to discuss regarding this conversation, and that is the use of the phrase sleeper. Because, and please tell me if I'm wrong, but Zach Ertz is not a sleeper. No. Colt Met is also not a sleeper, okay? These guys are being drafted as tight end one. These are guys who are being talked about a ton. You want to talk about a sleeper, you go down a little bit and you look at guys like David Njoku or Hunter Henry. They're more of sleepers than guys that are going as tight end ones in 12-team leagues. And I just, I feel like people aren't going deep enough when talking about sleepers. They're going after players who are being drafted in the single-digit rounds, and those are not sleepers. Well, I had this conversation with Brian Drake uh, over the weekend, and it's kind of it's, it's a weird thing because, you know, again, going back to Twitter, like we all talk as if everyone we're talking to is on Twitter 24 hours a day and everyone knows all the players. But there is a large portion of the fantasy football players that aren't. Like there's a lot of people who are Bob from accounting, as Howard loves to say, who spend two hours a week maybe on their fantasy team who don't know the Chiefs' third running back by heart and necessarily don't know all of these players. So while I agree with you, tight end nine and tight end ten are not sleepers, I think sometimes we have slaughtered the use of that term thinking that everyone is is and as tuned as we are when, let's be honest, 50 to 60, if not percent more, are still casual players. Yeah. Um, Touche. Touche. I, I don't really have anything else to add to that. I mean, yes, tight end, I guess you could get a little, um, use the term a little earlier with tight end because it's perceived as not being as deep. 
But still, you're you're talking about a top ten tight end in a twelve team in a ten team league. There's still a tight end one, right? In a twelve team league, they're definitely a tight end one. And in anything longer, they're now middle of the pack. So like that's that's not a sleeper. We're talking Alan Lazard, not a sleeper. No, no. got to be off your starting lineup. Like you're not drafting him as one of your starters. That's to me is is what the the criteria would be. Oh, by the way, I think it's also funny. I saw a piece of news come out that after all this hype that we're getting about Romeo Dubs and also one of the biggest risers in average draft position over the last few weeks, maybe second to Pacheco. All of a sudden, you're seeing these reports that Rodgers wants all of his friends, the veterans, to get the starting spot. That's just perfect right there. Well, he threw the rookies under the bus, like, to the media, gave a gave a scathing review, like, we got to be more consistent with route running and catching and blocking and basically playing the position. Like, okay, then don't take 50 million freaking dollars a year, jackass, and you'd still have Devontae Adams. <laughs> like, you can't have your cake and eat it, too, if you're Rodgers. And this, this, this is what he's never understood, is that being a team player is a, is about taking less money so you can get better players. In a salary cap league, that's the only way to do it. Why did Tom Brady fork over a bunch of money in his career? So he could get a better defense. So he could get... That example. I mean, <laughs> we don't the wide receiver core... He's on the masked singer right now. <laughs> I mean... Who is Tom Brady? That's dude. That's a big theory going around. I've not. seen multiple places. Oh, uh, why he's away from the team? Okay. Uh, imagine, imagine okay. recording a TV show or a movie right now. But do we Magnum really think? Do we really think that Tom Brady really needs to learn the playbook he's been in for two years and his like he could sleepwalk through the NFC schedule? As an best ball, I want him warming up out there. He's old. Okay. He's as old as Ryan. <laughs> Fair That's enough. true. He's he's like seven or seven days older than me. We were born the same year in the same month, but I think he's like August fourth or something like that. But I, I'm just saying, if Rogers really wanted better, more reliable weapons, maybe he should have taken less money, and they'd still have salary cap for Devonte Adams. And- Christian Watson is also who I, I I'll continue to say I love. He has not been healthy though in during during the preseason, so I can't fully hold it against all of them. But we're getting we're hearing all these great things from the beat reporters about dubs making off, dubs making highlight real plays every single he, he doesn't go a day without making a noteworthy highlight real play. Okay. But I also saw a pass from Justin Herbert at training camp yesterday that was a basic pass and somebody was losing their mind over oh he pinpointed it. I'm glad I have him for That's offensive that's the point. Year. It's all a bunch of BS. Right. That's, That's what, what I'm saying. So, like, yeah. I, the, the touchdown that Dobbs caught in the preseason was from Jordan Love, who's not going to see the field for another six years. <laughs> oh, man. We, we've already So, what does it matter? Tom Brady, by the way, August 3rd. So, he is eight days older than me. I just looked it up. Well, there you uh, go. But here's another thing. Speaking of Rodgers, I, I don't think he's off – base though about you know it's i think people look at these rookie wide receivers and rookie running backs and they're like oh well they're just going to walk right into this this role oh brian robinson's going to be antonio gibson's on the special teams now there's so much more to these skill positions than looking good in shorts 
And every year we overvalue these rookie running backs and overvalue these rookie wide receivers. And Peyton Barber comes in and has 50 carries or 75 carries in a season. And a rookie sits the bench and goes, I don't know what happened. Well, maybe because the guy that you just because he was great in college, by how many more coaches have to say, I don't care about fantasy football before we all figure out that rookies don't walk in and all of a sudden unseat guys. It happens sometimes, but not very often. It's some retread right. veteran that no one likes and everyone thinks it sucks because, because they, they do can pass block. Yes, because they can pass block or they, they, they just know how to play the position professionally. When these kids, it takes time. Sure, there's a couple every year, but everyone's like, hey, look at your drafts and look at where rookie running backs and wide receivers are going. It's insanity. You're ready, awesome. for you ready for this? Wandale Robinson up 58 spots for Why? three weeks. Because he out-jogged Kenny Galladay at practice? Like, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, the only thing I can think of is that everyone in front of him is injury prone. Like, Galladay hasn't done anything as a giant. Sterling Shepard is made of glass. Darius Slayton has disappointed and disappointed and disappointed. They have a couple okay wide receivers, but their offense is. I did a podcast. Jones still sucks. Yeah, I did a podcast with Samantha Praviti in like March, and we both were like, I'm not even thinking about this guy. Now he's going up 15 points in a week. Uh, George Pickens. Up 63 spots in the last three weeks. Oh, my God. All right, guys. Let's now, get now I do want to I do want to bring a question. I saw this in a group chat that some of us are in on Twitter. Would you rather have Deontay Johnson or Terry McLaurin? I, I will answer because I am in that chat. I want yes. Deontay Johnson seven days a week. I like Terry McLaurin and I like the quarterback upgrade. Everyone hates Wentz, but he's still an upgrade over what they had. But Deontay Johnson is going to get 10 targets a week. And by, I don't care that the quarterback changed. Ben Roethlisberger wasn't any good. And just because they have a new quarterback, why would they all of a sudden change how they're distributing passes? Like all of a sudden Chase Claypool got a lot better and, and George Pickett's going to come in and like the world. Of fire. Just because there's a quarterback change, doesn't every quarterback has their guy. But there's no reason for them to change how the targets are being distributed in Pittsburgh. I see, I see Johnson getting 160 plus, 150 plus again this year. And in PPR leagues, I think he's gold. If I start out my draft with two running backs, let's just say, I would love to then follow that up with Deontay Johnson and Terry McLaurin. Where you could get both of them, that's where they're going. I prefer Johnson as well. I do think, and I actually said this on Alarm After Hours, with Roethlisberger's noodle arm gone, I do think the Steelers are going to be taking more shots downfield, which is, I think, what is contributing to the George Pickens hype and the rise in average draft position as well, because he is going to be a deep threat with the speed that he has, which could also mean that the Steelers turn the ball over a little bit. I still think Deontay Johnson's going to get his, though. So if I have to pick between the two of them, even taking draft value, I'd still go Deontay Johnson. But you are absolutely in a position, even in a snake, where you could grab both of them. And I would love to have that if I start running back heavy with the first two rounds. And I'm not saying he's Claypool, but I don't like Johnson's not unable to get the deep ball. Like he was Clay, a great Claypool security blanket. Are a lot more similar, I feel like. And that's yeah. where I start to wonder when it comes to these deep passes, how much they're going to be splitting. I feel like Johnson's kind of on his own island when it comes to how he's going to be utilized compared to the others. Uh, I will take the other side. I will go with Terry McLaurin. I think the number of targets, yeah, it's it's there. I mean, 
whatnot. But he's, they both like you said he's done with worse. He's done. He's been able to have thousand yard seasons with crap. Yeah, so I definitely still like. Him. I like McLaurin too. I mean, it, it was, McLaurin has averaged a thousand yards receiving in his three years. Well, that's what I'm saying. No, right. That's exactly what I'm saying. And you I'm can't a, name me like any solid quarterback that McLaren has had in those three years. Not not one, right? Um, maybe Fitzpatrick for like – he had Fitzpatrick for like six minutes. Um, but like I'll, I'll still go with Terry McLaurin because the guy has proven that even though he's the only threat on that offense for the last three years, and I know they just drafted some intriguing guys and whatnot, he still doesn't get shut down. He still shows up and balls out every game. And, yes, the targets have been higher for Deontay Johnson the last two years. Okay, sure. But the yards per catch are almost identical. The touchdowns, almost identical. So I'll take a guy who's got three years of it versus, you know, trying to see what exactly happens with – like, everybody hates Mitch Trubisky, right? But now – we love Deontay Johnson, even though we got a guy who can't throw a deep ball at quarterback, right? And everybody didn't want the Steelers to draft Kenny Pickett because, I don't know, small hands or whatever. But somehow we trust him to, to light up the board with Deontay Johnson. I mean, Carson Wentz is an actual upgrade. You're talking about, yes, could Roethlisberger's arm fall off at any moment? Sure. But you're also talking about a guy who had 15 years of experience at quarterback in the NFL and knew every defense. Trubisky barely knows anything because the Bears coaching staff was terrible and then was in a completely different system as a backup last year. And Kenny Pickett, okay, he knows the field because they played there in college, but like none of the, he doesn't know any defenses. So I don't know. I will lean towards Terry McLaurin because you're getting a little bit more value, draft value from him. So if they're going to put up similar numbers, I'll take the guy going a little bit later in drafts. Terry McLaurin is one of my most invested players, and that's because of where he's going. And that goes back to the whole safety versus high ceiling, and that's where if Terry McLaurin is there. Like if I could get Higgins and McLaurin as my top two wide receivers, I'd be happy. No, it's a solid core. Because here's something nobody wants to admit. T. Higgins is going to see more targets than Jamar Chase. Yeah, I, I mean they were close he did last year. Yeah, yeah, no, they were, they were close last time. So I feel I'm a big T Higgins guy. But let's get to the family table here. Let's start with what we are bringing to the table, and this is where I'm going to say whenever you call into a radio show, whenever you ask questions on the Discord, one of the questions that fantasy analysts have a very hard time answering is the question of I have pick number ten. Who do I go with at ten? We can't answer that unless you give us a whole situation and let us know who exactly is off the board. I get this question a lot. Who should I be looking to take in the third or fourth round? And it's not even frustration. We just want to be able to give you the most accurate advice possible. And we can't do that if we're not familiar with who is off your board at the time. We could give you in terms of what players are going around there on draft boards. That we can answer. That we can tell you by looking at average draft positions. But if you're going to ask us a question where it's, hey, I have the second pick, who should I be looking at coming back? We can't answer that because every draft is different and some may prefer running backs and you're left with hardly any of the top two tiers of running backs. Others might be trying to go another direction and you might see receiver heavy. 
We can't answer those questions, and that's going to be my answer to you out there. Who's off the board? Put us in a situation, then we'll answer the question. That's all I'm going to say about that because it happens a lot, happens every year, and we have to make sure we rephrase the questions so they're not so general. So let's go with you, Ryan. What are you bringing? Uh, I'm going to bring – I'm playing in the Pros with Joe's charity fantasy football tournament. So if you wanted to join that and take a chance of co-managing a team with me, uh, there's links on my Twitter at Fighting Chance, or you can go to the Pros with Joe's, which is at Pros with Joe's, obviously. Uh, and I'm playing for the Ulster County SPCA, which is our local animal shelter, which is where all three of my animals came from. My wife's the president of the board of directors. I do fundraising for them, so – Clearly, that is my cherry. So uh, I find it hard to believe anyone wants to co-manage a team with me, but I'm sure there's some weird people out there who for some reason want to play fantasy football with me. So if you are one of those people, I love you, and follow those, go to those Twitter handles and find your way to donate, and, and we'll kick some ass. There we go. There we go. A lot, a few of the family members there playing pros versus Joes. Cells, what are you bringing to the table? Uh, I'm just going to reiterate what I started off the podcast with. Houses are built from the floor up. Like, if you see somebody recommending that you go straight up with the most ceiling-heavy lineup on the planet, please go ask them to see their draft boards. And I mean all of them. Because if these people are recommending, hey, let's go take the most injury-prone, high-upside dudes on the planet, and then you see their draft boards and they've drafted none of the guys they're telling you to draft, I would stop following their advice. Okay? It's also a great idea to ask around because, like, in the group chat that most of us are in on on Twitter, there's 14 different opinions and 14 people in that room. And we all write about, in some capacity, fantasy football, right? The Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin thing was split down the middle in that room. And you're talking about people who basically do this for a living. So it's always great to get as much information as you can and then do your own research and feel comfortable with your decisions. Because if you sit there and go, oh, I drafted based on this guy. My team sucks. It's his fault. No, it's not. He didn't draft the team or she didn't draft the team for you. Like, okay, so go with early in the drafts. Go with the safer picks. Guys that we feel very comfortable can repeat what they did last year. And then as the rounds go, get higher and higher and higher ceiling guys. Because who knows? Maybe, just maybe, you get a rookie who goes off and you took him in the 15th round. And congratulations, because now you get to keep him going forward for a few more years. But if you take that same rookie in, like, round five and they don't go off, you just wasted a fifth-round pick on, you know, a spot you could have gotten a veteran wide receiver or running back, and you lost out. So that's my advice, is uh, don't just follow everybody on Twitter. Do your own research, and uh, go with the safer picks earlier in the draft. That's the reason why Bob Long's NFL Draft Guide has won numerous awards, because he talks consistency, and that's how you win in fantasy football. Consistency. Jalen Tolbert, by the way, I'll say this one more time, 11th round right now. You're not getting that value next week. I'm telling you, you're not getting it. He's going to continue to move up, and everyone loves the Cowboys. Everyone loves Matt Sells, and 
Go and check out his content, fantasyalarm.com. Go bowling at the Glen at Watkins Glen in Nueva York this weekend for NASCAR. We've got Ryan Hallam. Give him a follow on Twitter at Fighting Chance Sells at the Salesman. I'm at Fantasy Sports. You can always catch me, the late night freak, on Alarm After Hours and Sirius XM, midnight to 2 a.m. Eastern Time. Don't forget a family that sticks together wins together. <laughs>